In this episode, we continue our series entitled, For the People in the Back. Pastor John Mark Caton teaches us how to live like a king in God's eyes. He showcases five important points on how to live like a king, which he references from Isaiah 38, 1-5, and 2 Kings 18, 2-7. Now let's learn how to live like kings with John Mark. Hey, I want to invite you to reach and grab your copy of God's Word, and we're going to put it on the screen. We're going to go, go a couple of different places. And I want, to, I want to encourage you today as we think about, you know, for the, for the people in the back row, um, I don't know how much time God has given me, and I don't know how much time God has given you, but I want to encourage you uh, with this. Uh, as you think about the rest of your life, just this. How do, you, how do you live like a king in God's eyes? From this point on, how do you live like a true king in God's eyes from this point on? And the Apostle Paul gave us some good uh, crafted words, well-crafted words in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 15. Here's what he said. He said, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, th- those are common verses that we all understand, just general principles that we all ought to live, live by. Be very careful then how you live. From this point on, Uh, Whether you have five months, five years, several decades left, whatever you want to do, you want to be careful in how you live. Now, that word careful uh, doesn't really have to do with cautious. It just means to be wise. And you can see that in the context because he brings it back up later. In how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, I want to make good decisions going forward. I don't want to waste my time, waste my relationships, waste my energy. I don't want to do any of that. In other words, I want to be cautious and careful in a way that when I decide to do something, it's the right thing for God. And it's also the right thing for me and my family. And then as you read on, he says, making the most of every opportunity. We only have a certain number of opportunities. And we want to make the most of every one of them every relationship, everything, every chance, every opportunity to serve and move on. Then he says, therefore, do not be fools, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I want to talk to you today about a king in the Old Testament. And this king's name is Hezekiah. And uh, it's kind of a unique thing about Hezekiah because Hezekiah's dad was a king named Ahaz. If you go read about a king named Ahaz, it says he was worse than all the kings who went before him. And Hezekiah was his boy. And Hezekiah led what many consider would be the greatest revival in the history of Israel. Even though he was raised by an evil dad. And so my point, guys, is regardless of where you came from, regardless of the family you grew up in, Regardless of where you've been in your past, today can be a day when you begin to live like a king in God's eyes. And Hezekiah is the perfect example for us. Because if there was ever a dude that has had an excuse to take evil to excess, it was this dude. If there was ever a dude that had an excuse to say worship doesn't matter, it was this dude. If there was ever a a, a dude that wanted to use his family of origin as an excuse for a current failure, it was this dude. 
because his dad was more evil than any king had ever gone before. Now, what's interesting, we're going to see, and I'm going to read this to you, uh, there comes a point in Hezekiah's life where he's about to die. As a matter of fact, doctor says, you're going to die. Hopefully you've never had that experience, but uh, that's kind of a shocker. And it says, and we're going to read it here in a second, it says, he, he fell down on his knees, began to pray to God. God gave him 15 more years. And so my question today for us is if God gives us 15 more years, how do we want to live those years? If God gives us 15 more months, how do we want to live those months? If God gives us 15 decades, you are going to be here a long, long time. How many of you know? Now, what we're also going to see, interestingly enough, Hezekiah also has a son. His son's name is Manasseh. Go read about Manasseh. Manasseh was a worse king than any who had ever come before him. You think about it. A sliver of time in the life of Israel, there was a shining light named Hezekiah. Not perfect. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, when we read this here in a few seconds, uh, almost immediately after God decides to give him an extra 15 years, he commits one of his biggest sins. And it was a sin of pride. It's also interesting when you think about uh, Hezekiah, two of his friends were prophets of God. Isaiah and Micah. And he hung out with the men of God. And guys, whatever you're going to be over the next few years, I want to encourage you to hang out with other men who are on the right path and doing the right thing. If you want to live like a king in God's eyes. If you want to live like a king in God's eyes. And let me tell you what, if you go look at Hezekiah and Isaiah's relationship, it always wasn't a sweet relationship. Let me tell you what, boys. If you have good men, good friends who are men, and they're men of God, and you mess up, and they don't call you out, get a different friend. How many of us understand that? If you are heading down the wrong path, and you got guys giving you slow claps, get different friends. If you want to live like a king in God's eyes, if you want to be able to pray with Hezekiah, God, give me a few more years. And I can tell you this, if I were to face a circumstance we're about to read from Hezekiah, I would pray this same prayer. If all of a sudden I, I was diagnosed with this or diagnosed with that, and I will tell you this, I would want you to pray the same thing that Hezekiah prayed. If you all of a sudden have been given just a few months to live, and literally Isaiah the prophet, when the prophet tells you to get your affairs in order, get your affairs in order. How many of us understand, right? But he prays, God, give me a few more years. That's a legit prayer, by the way. That's a legit prayer. It's a prayer I would pray if I was in his circumstance. So let me just go to the end 
towards the end of his life, then we're going to go back and say, what allowed him to pray that prayer that God answered and gave him 15 more years? Here it is. Pick it up in Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1 to 5. It says, in those days, Hezekiah, that was the king, that's the guy we're talking about right now, became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, that's the Isaiah you and I know about, uh, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. Let me tell you what. The prophet doesn't have very good bedside manner. How many of you noticed that? Uh, I mean, I, how many of you would say, Doc, could you soft sell that a bit more? I mean, it's like Isaiah walked in and said, hey, man, I got some news. Uh, you're going to die. Call mom, call the kids, get your affairs in order. How's the will looking? Do you have all that settled up? You know, do you know how everything's going to be distributed? You're going to Isaiah. Come on, dude. Beat around the bush a little bit. And so I, I love it. He said, you're going to die. And then if it weren't that bad, you're immediately knowing that, that Hezekiah says, yeah, but are you wrong? And then he follows it up with, and you're not going to recover. Well, if you don't die, I don't know about you. I'm not a doctor, like a medical doctor. I'm a religious doctor. Witch doctor. <laughs> Delete that. <laughs> but he says, he says, listen, not only are you going to die, you won't recover. Newsflash, guys. If you die, you don't recover, right? There's not a little bit of dying and then a little more living. I mean, it's, you're going to die. I mean, there's a bad side manner. Now, pick it up. Verse 2. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and began to pray to the Lord. And here's his prayer, guys, and this is a legit prayer. Remember, Lord, how I've walked faithfully before you and with wholehearted devotion have done what is good in your eyes. And then it says, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. Let me tell you what, there are times when real men weep. And this is one of those seasons. And I love that prayer. He says, remember, Lord, how I walk before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Look at verse 4. <clears throat> so Isaiah comes in. He gives Hezekiah the news. Hezekiah turns away after hearing the news, begins to pray. Isaiah begins to walk out of the house. Before Isaiah gets out of the house, God speaks again to Isaiah and say, says, go back. Let me tell you what, that's a quick answer to prayer. Pick it up as we continue to read. Then the word of the Lord came back to Isaiah. Go back and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord said. The God of your father David said this, I have heard your prayer and I have seen your tears and I will add 15 years to your life. Pretty incredible what has just taken place. God tells Isaiah, and you can go read it, God's the one that told Isaiah, go give the news to Hezekiah, he's going to die. Get your affairs in order, you're not going to recover. Isaiah goes in there, delivers the news, begins to walk out of the house. Hezekiah immediately falls down, turns to the wall, prays with tears. God immediately answers the prayer. Before Isaiah gets out of the house, God shows up, speaks to Isaiah again, and says, go back in and tell Hezekiah you got 15 years left. All right, so guys, 
If God gives you 15 years or 15 months from this point on, how are we going to live our lives in such a way that we are kings in God's eyes? And so let's go look at Hezekiah's life. What led to the point where when Hezekiah had to pray that prayer that God immediately answered and said, this is a dude that deserves 15 more years. What did his life look like? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today, and hopefully I'll encourage you with this. Go to 2 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start reading it in verse 2. All right, And we're going to just pick out some things in Hezekiah's life that if we will apply them to our lives, should we ever find ourselves in that same situation that he was in where Isaiah delivered some very difficult and hard news, then you and I can then bow down, turn our face to the wall, shed some tears, and say, God, give me some more years. Why? Because of how I have lived before you. So here it is. Pick it up, verse 2. It says, he was 25. This is talking about Hezekiah. He was 25 years old when he became the king, uh, as, we, as we pick it up. When he became the king. And it says, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. He was 25 years old. So he was older. He wasn't one of these young 13-year-old kings. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. So how did he live? Number one, you write this down. He just consistently did the right thing. He just consistently did the right thing. He was just. He was encouraging. Look at it, verse 3. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Notice he didn't say, just as his father Ahaz has done. Why? Because Ahaz didn't live for God at all. So he points back to David. Man, the question is, in your life, what are you doing in general that is just the right thing to do? That in your business relationships, in your personal relationships, in your interactions with others, in, in any area in space, are you generally doing a good job of doing the right thing. Hopefully you are. And then notice, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Man, what are you doing? And God's like, more importantly, let's go to the other. What is going on in your life? It may be public, it might be private, that people don't know about. But notice what it says, he did right in the eyes of the Lord. See, here's the deal. We can all do right in the eyes of each other. How many of us know? Because people don't follow us around seven days a week, 24 hours a day. What is it that God sees in your life that you and I both know that God's not pleased with? And I will tell you, we probably all have something, don't we? We probably all have something. So guys, I want you to know, if you're going to prepare for that day when you have to pray that prayer, start by doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord, not just in the eyes of other dudes. Man, if there is something you need to deal with, if there is some secret sin that you need to eject from your life, that you need to turn from and repent from, man, guys, I want to encourage you to do it. You say, Pastor, do I have to make that secret sin public? No, not to be forgiven. You say, when do I make my secret sin public? When you need help. If you can't get it over it by yourself, I'm not saying announce it from the, out, 
mountaintop, but I am saying if there is a secret sin in your life that you just can't deal with by yourself, find the right people who can help you deal with it. And then live in such a way that you consistently and constantly do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. I love what you say, man, Pastor, if uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, you say, Pastor, I've had this secret sin in my life for so, so long. Can God use me? What, what, if, what if I tell somebody about this secret sin that only God knows about that I can't deal with? What's going to happen? I love what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. He said, those who cleanse themselves from the latter, that's those secret sins, those vile things, will be instruments for special purposes, listen to this, made holy and useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. That means, guys, at this point, in this season, if there is some secret sin in your life that perhaps only you and God knows, know about, if you're willing to confess that and repent of that, God will cleanse it and He'll make you a special vessel that can be used in His kingdom and for His glory. So that's a good word and a good news. From this point on, you can become the kind of vessel that God can use. Now, now go back. Here's the second thing we see. He made worship a priority. You say, where do you see this? Look at verse 4. This is back to Hezekiah. He removed the high places and he smashed the sacred stones and he cut down the Asher poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Now, let me just stop you and tell you some of what he did. First of all, Ahaz, his father, had nailed the doors to the temple shut. He had shut down worship. One of the first things that Hezekiah did is he went in with his hammer and claw and he removed the nails. He fixed up the temple, polished it up, and made worship our, our priority. So worship became a priority in his life. So if you really want to be one of those guys that somewhere, someday, some way, down the line, down your line, you can pray that God would give you another 15 years. Start by making worship a priority in your life. Clean up your house. That's exactly what he did. Go, go read it. It says, man, his father had shut down worship at the temple, but he kept those high places open. Where are the high places? You say, where do the high places go back to? Go all the way back. You remember he had David, man after God's own heart. Then he had Solomon. Solomon began to intermarry with all of these wives from different places. And when you intermarry with all these wives from different places, they all come with a different religion, and they all wanted their own place to go worship. They called them high places. They weren't the place that the children of Israel were supposed to worship. They were high places. So interestingly enough, Ahaz, Hezekiah's dad, had left the high places open for worship, but it shut down the right place for worship. And so guys, here's what we want to make sure in our life, that you and I don't leave the high places open for worship, but we close the door to real worship in God's house. I'm going to say that again, guys. Whatever you do, do not leave the high places open for worship in your life and close the door to God's house of worship. You say, what's, what, what's a high place? Well, maybe a high place of worship, it's your job. You worship your position, your job, your finances. That's a high place. And if it keeps you from worshiping in the one true place, shut that down and open God's house back up. Maybe it's relationships in your life. 
Maybe you care too much about relationships in your life. Maybe, maybe it's hunting or fishing. Maybe, maybe, maybe all you do and you spend more time worshiping in your high place of hunting and fishing instead of in God's house. I don't know what it is. But here's what I love about Hezekiah. The way he was able to come before God and said, you know I did what was right in your eyes. It's because he shut down the high places in his life and he made real worship a priority. Now notice this. He also took what Moses had made, that bronze snake. How many of you remember that story? In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were journeying. They were complaining and grumbling. God got sick of them a little bit. and He got sick of them a lot. So did Moses. God sent some snakes in among them. Snakes would bite them. They begin to die. So Moses set up a, a, on a staff a, a snake that if the people would simply, after they got bit, look to that staff, that they would find healing. Actually, if you go to John chapter 3, Jesus references it, talking about the Son of Man will be lifted up like the snake in the wilderness. And so what had happened is what happens so many times in churches and to men and with people is that thing that was an instrument that should have reminded the people of God how good and gracious God has been in the past. Instead, that tradition was no longer the truth that God did something for them in the past and would do something to them today, but instead that truth became a tradition and they worshiped the tradition more than the truth. And so I love what Hezekiah did. He walked in, saw that they were worshiping and burning incense to the staff. And so what did he do? He destroyed it. Man, and guys, here's what we want to make sure. We want to make sure we're not worshiping high places and rejecting the real places that God wants us to worship. Second thing we want to make sure we're not doing, let's don't worship those things that remind us of what God has done in the past and forget about what God wants to do in the present. Man, one of the worst things we can do as a church is constantly be looking back and never be looking forward. It's amazing to celebrate what God has done over the last 27 years here at the church, but Lord help us if we care more about what God has done than what God is going to do. I'm going to say that again. Lord help us. If we ever look back and are more grateful for what God has done, then we are looking for, forward to what God is going to do. Let's just continue to read. Notice what he said. He, he broke the stone uh, for up to that point the Israelites had begun to make it um, burn incense to it. So thought number one is this. Man, he just constantly did the right thing. Number two, he made real worship a priority in everything he did. Here, here's number three. Ready? We're just going to continue. He, he trusted God in tough times. If you look in verse 5, it says, Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah before him, either before or after him. Let me tell you, one of the times that he trusted God, the Assyrians um, uh, were going through, and they were pretty much the powerhouse of the world at the time. They were just mowing everybody. As a matter of fact, the Assyrians had just lit the northern kingdom. Remember, the children of Israel were split into the northern kingdom and southern kingdom. The Assyrians had blown away the northern kingdom. And the southern kingdom at the point under Hezekiah were weaker than the northern kingdom, smaller than the northern kingdom. And the, and the word was out that the Assyrians were coming for you. And Hezekiah had an opportunity to give up and surrender. Cut a deal. 
And he called the man of God Isaiah in. And Isaiah, after they prayed, he said, don't do it. God's got this. And it says Hezekiah, instead of giving up, pretty much forfeiting the fight, he trusted God. So when it says he trusted God in the face of an enemy that in sheer numbers was way, way more powerful than him. So thought number one, are you doing the right thing in God's eyes? In God's eyes. Number two, are you making worship a real priority? Here's number three, are you trusting God more than you're trusting yourself? Are you trusting God more than you're trusting yourself? Here's number four, ready? He grew in maturity. He continued to grow and continued to mature. Guys, we don't ever want to be the kind of men that sometime in a season past, we stopped growing in maturity. That we've gotten to a place in our spiritual journey, our spiritual walk, where we're happy with where we are. We always want to go forward. We always want to move forward. Look at it as we just go back and read verse 6. He held fast to the Lord, so he trusted the Lord in verse 5. Now he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following in him. He kept his commands that the Lord even had given him. Now notice, he did not stop following him. Don't ever become a man that you come to a place where you stop following God. When God asks for something else, asks for another level of trust, another level of commitment, that we stop following God. Instead, we want to constantly grow. We want to constantly be connected with other men in Bible study, constantly challenge ourselves to move forward in maturity. I love what the writer of the book of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. We'll put it up there. He says, Let us, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and being taken forward to maturity. What is he saying right there? He's saying, guys, wherever you are, there's plenty to know. Here's what I've learned as your pastor 27 years. When I think about all the things that I don't know in God's Word, I still feel like I'm in elementary school. How many of us understand that? And I don't want to stay here. I want to grow more in my knowledge, more in my faith, more in my walk, more in everything. So continue to grow in maturity. Here's number five, last thing. He surrounded himself with good people. He surrounded himself with good people and the right people. I see this in verse 7. And the Lord was with him, and he was successful of whatever he did. He did not, he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and he did not serve him. If you continue to read it on, why? Because Isaiah the prophet was standing by his side. So surround yourself with the right people. Guys, if we will do those five things, if there ever comes a place and a space in our life then we really need to turn to the wall, weep, and pray. And we want to say, God, you know how I've lived. It's those five things. And here they are again, and we close. Do the right thing. Make worship a priority. Trust God in tough times. Grow in maturity and surround yourself with the right people. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for every man in this room. Thank you for an opportunity to be challenged through the life of a man named Hezekiah, who he didn't have a godly dad. Sadly, he didn't raise a godly son. But in his moment, in his season, he made a difference in the life of the children of Israel. Let us be that kind of man. That when we pray, if we ever have to pray that prayer, Lord, give me more time because I've lived well in front of you, that we will be able to pray that prayer with integrity 
and full character. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You guys have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you come back to listen to future episodes of Men's Bible Study.